Welcome to Mornings with Michelle. I'm Michelle Foster and delighted that you chose to join me on my podcast today. We are inspiring dreams and I am so gifted to have the amazing friends and relationships that I have join me on these podcasts because my ultimate goal is to open your minds to the possibility and inspire your dreams for your life to fulfill everything that you want to have an extraordinary life. So welcome again. My name is Michelle Foster and you are with us today at Mornings with Michelle. Well, welcome to Mornings with Michelle. I'm Michelle Foster and so delighted you're here today because today we are interviewing a fabulous friend, mentor, businesswoman, mom, and wife. Jody Barber is just exceptional. And you can figure that out for yourself. But I want to just give her a quick introduction and then let her take the stage. So Jody is an enthusiastic advocate for women entrepreneurs. After 16 plus years in vocational ministry, Jody entered the entrepreneurial space and now has a passion to help other women take their lives back financially while shedding unhealthy money mindsets. She cares about helping women discover and step into their purpose unapologetically. So here we go. Welcome, Jody. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Jody, I've had the privilege of working alongside you in a uh, mastermind that we met in. And uh, I just love, love, love you. And so I would love to go back because I don't know the little Jody, and I would love to explore how you became this powerhouse of a woman. So if you would go back to when you were a little girl, five years old, and what were your dreams? What did you dream about when you grew up? <laughs> well, I, I actually had a lot of dreams that, you know, I, from childhood, you know, some of them I, I do feel like have actually manifested themselves in my life, but um, I just wanted to um, be around people. I wanted, I was, I've always been an advocate for people. And um, so a lot of my childhood, um, you know, my parents used to say like, when you would put me in a room, everybody would be my best friend by the end of the time that we were there. It's like, give me a room of strangers. I will get to know. And I was like that from a young age. I mean, I would just go up and talk to anybody. I would talk to any stranger. Um, and so I, as I kind of grew up, you know, people would always ask the question, like, what are your hobbies? What do you, what are your interests? What do you like to do? And although I did have different things that I was interested in, like music and, um, you know, I, there were different hobbies that I pursued. I used to always think people are my hobby. <laughs> so I, love it. I always knew I wanted to work with people in some capacity. Um, and also just really had a passion to travel the world, um, and to tell stories and, uh, but yeah, from a young age, I've always just been super interested in people. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> but it doesn't at all. And for those of us that know you, it makes complete sense. Because from <laughs> the minute I met you, I felt like you friended me. So that makes a lot of sense to those of us that know you. And for those of you that don't know her, you should get to know her. She's extraordinary. So um, how do you, how did you get supported by others? 
when you were young and even in today's world? How do you get supported by others? Yeah. Well, my parents have always been incredible. I mean, you know, they're not perfect people, just like none of us are, but they, um, I feel like from a young age, they really, um, they really helped to, helped my personality to flourish. Um, I do, I always felt their support. I always felt as though they saw me for how I was uniquely created. Um, I've always been loud. I've always been pretty boisterous. I've been very opinionated. Um, and I love to talk a lot, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think there, where there were other adults in my life that would say, okay, you need to be quieter. Or like, we, you know, my parents were very careful to say like, no, like you express yourself. They always accepted um, my opinions and my thoughts about things within reason, you know, as like being a child. Um, and I feel like that support from them was probably one of the biggest foundations in my life. As I entered into adulthood, I had a tremendous amount of confidence in what I could and couldn't do. And um, even through heartbreak and disappointments and things that felt like failures, my parents have always been in my corner, number one cheerleaders. Um, in current days too, I, um, and this is a little bit more of my story more currently, but I'm married to a pastor and um, we have, you know, we have a long history in vocational ministry, not just in a church. We've also worked in college ministry, but one of the things about my husband, Bobby, that has been tremendous is he also, like my parents, has just seen me for who I am and has always wanted me to feel as though I was flourishing in my personality instead of trying to change it. And I think for women, that's really important because oftentimes as women, we apologize a lot. I think we try to um, bend our personalities or our preferences, or our opinions to kind of fit whatever social context we're in. And my parents and my husband have been, you know, my parents as a set of people, my, and my husband have just really, um, they have helped me understand how I also want other women to feel as they are stepping into their purpose unapologetically with how they've been uniquely designed. So yeah, I, that's where my, most of my support has come from. Awesome. And you're very fortunate. I think anyone that feels support around people that are the closest to you, um, the gratefulness needs to pour out of their pores. But let me ask you this. Um, do people always have an opinion about you because you are so, as you describe it, loud? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that that has, um, I, for whoever's listening who's familiar with the Enneagram, um, I'm actually an Enneagram eight wing seven. And the, the thing that's really unique about the Enneagram eight, um, and I, I do think that women who are Enneagram eights are often misunderstood because they can come across as bossy or too opinionated. Um, but the Enneagram eight is actually the most tender hearted of all the personality types. And we are advocates at our core. And I think that is one of the things where, when I have experienced resistance to my opinions or when people have had thoughts or judgments about the different ways that I have chosen to shape my life or have 
chosen to make money or the things that I'm passionate about, um, I have really seen myself as someone who is like, you know what, I can take this and I am going to, uh, in a sense, fall on my sword because I want to be an example to other women that they have permission to go after the things that they are passionate about and that they are dreaming about without having to explain or apologize or um, make other people understand what, or even agree with their decisions. So I've really, I've really seen myself, especially the past couple of years, as stepping into more of an advocacy role for women who really want to go after their big, huge, audacious dreams and showing them, if I can do this, you can too. You have permission to do this. What do you believe? I mean, Jody, we all have one absolute strength that just pops out of your head. What is it? What's your number one? That I believe. Wow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that each, you know, in my audience, the, the people that I speak to the most that I have a message for the most are women specifically in the entrepreneurial space. But I believe that every woman has a very unique gift that she can contribute to the world beyond motherhood, <laughs> beyond, you know, like all the traditional roles that we kind of see women in. I uh, believe that women have a very unique contribution. And um, oftentimes because of what culture has told them or what um, their story has told them from childhood, don't feel the freedom to really fully step into that. And, um, and I think that it has to be activated. And so one of, one of the roles that I see myself stepping into, continuing to step into, um, is helping women really become activated in how they've been uniquely designed so that they can serve other people at the highest level from their giftings, from how they've been uniquely created. So you believe that for your personal life, for your personal journey, Joni, uh, Jody singularly, do you believe that is your biggest strength for yourself? Yeah, 100 percent. That's awesome. Yeah. You take that passion and you take it and you pay it forward. I really think that's beautiful and I respect it a lot. Oh, thank you. So we all have a big, hairy, audacious goal. What's your Oh, reason? yes. <laughs> well, for me, um, my big, hairy, audacious goal is to make a crap ton of money, um, not for the purpose of status, Although I, you know, owning, owning beautiful things and having crazy financial freedom is a, is a beautiful thing. Um, I think for me, it's more showing my children that I can do it and also giving other women who feel stuck permission to also go after these big goals. One of the things that I have really come to realize is that women in particular have really weird, uh, really weird feelings and thoughts and judgments around money, specifically wealth, specifically around women making money and women pursuing wealth. This is something I have come across over and over and over again. Then in this particular area, I've also received a ton of resistance as I have gone after building businesses and pursuing wealth. Um, and I, I really 
I want to do it myself <laughs> um, to show my children, but also to show women who are watching me that this is okay. Like you don't have to sell your soul to, you know, money isn't the root of all evil. Money is not bad. It is neutral. It is a tool that can be used to create impact in this world. And I just think there's a lot of stigma that has to be broken. And so for me, it's making a crap ton of money to then show women how to do it, to help break the stigma around it so that there's not this weird guilt around wanting to make money and then actually going out and doing it. Let me ask you this. I'm going to go deep here because you know me. That's what I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I really believe that when we really get vulnerable is when we really teach. So um, was there a time in your life that you were broke or you were rich, like the the opposite ends of the stick? Yes. Well, so uh, I mentioned that, you know, we've, my husband and I have been in vocational ministry for a long time. Um, That's actually how we met. So we were both, before we were married, we were both in ministry um, as individuals. And then, um, and I think that that there, there was a lot of unhealthy mindset around money that was really implanted at that time. There's so, there's a lot more to this story, but um, we live. Why Why do you think that? No, I want to hear this. Why do you think it was implanted? I mean, implanted means you planted it. It wasn't there. It was planted. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think a lot, you know, my, my faith is very important to me. And so, and being part of a community of other people from the same faith is very important to me. But I do think that we have had a lot of really damaging teaching that has been done um, around money. And I also, the ministry that my husband and I were a part of, um, there was a cap to what we were able to make. And we were also prevented from making additional streams of income outside of the money that uh, we raised for support to support our lives. And um, I think- Why? Why? I mean, I, corporations do the exact same thing. Yeah. You sign a document, you know, there's a cap to your ceiling and they will not let you work for anyone else. I mean, you sign an agreement. Is it just yeah. that simple? You signed an agreement? Yeah. Yeah. If you were going to work full-time for this organization, um, and we were also responsible for raising our own support. So we were dependent on other people and their generosity, and they're really seeing us as as people of ministry worth investing in. So there was a lot of, um, I think that it, I think that it was always presented to us in a lot of spiritual language, you know, like, well, this is a beautiful thing. Like other people need to give and be generous. And this is God's design for, um, you know, how you go out on the mission field and serve. And while there are some of those things that I do agree with, I think that what it did for us was, it really put us in this place of scarcity. And um, I, at one point in my life, was having the very real fear. I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Our kids were all really little. And I would imagine us not having food to feed our kids. So, um, and you know, if I had thought about it logically, it's like, well, no, we have support. We have family. We have people that no no one is going to let the barber family starve. But that was a real felt fear that I had that was affecting how I was interacting in the world. Well, when you have a fear like that, that's so deeply embedded, 
um, you start to act differently around people. Then the people who are giving us support, it's like, well, we need to keep them happy. We need to make sure that they don't discontinue their support because if they discontinue their support, our paycheck is going to be short. If we have a short paycheck, I won't have as much money to buy groceries. Therefore, I won't be able to feed my kids. That's what my brain, like the, the drama in my brain was telling me. And when you do that for years upon years upon years, um, it really, you know, that's a lot to undo. It's not something that you just snap your fingers and can undo those mindsets overnight. So um, when we left that ministry and actually ironically <laughs> walked into church ministry, I was freed up to go pursue whatever entrepreneurial endeavors I wanted. And I remember physically feeling like a burden was lifted off my shoulders because I suddenly had the free freedom to go create my own financial future. And um, that's why I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship. It's not just about the freedom of not having a boss or not being tied into a nine to five or restricted to only so many weeks of vacation. For me, it was a mental freedom knowing that I'm in charge. Like I can go out and make money. I can go out and pursue this and I don't have to explain it to anybody. I'm not dependent on other people, you know, suddenly feeling generous and wanting to give. And I'm not disparaging um, ministries where um, their staff need to raise support. I think for me, this was very personal. And this was my own obstacle in my mind that I had to overcome. And, um, but for other people, they flourish in that environment. So I, you know, more power to you if that's, a, if that's an environment that you flourish in. For me personally, and for my family, it just felt like we were in bondage. So I I'm think, Jody, if you take away the fact that it was part of a church and if you just call it a job, right? So yeah. for some people, that is security that works. For yeah. other people, that is insecurity yeah. that doesn't work. So I think what you're saying is this is your story. This is how yeah. the bottom line, when I'm hearing from you and what I'd like our listeners to hear is this is what it made you feel. This is what yeah. now makes you feel. So, you know, I would say to our listeners, you know, how does what Jody's saying to you make you feel? She's talking really about both sides of the stick. Both are good. Yeah. One made Jody feel better than the other. Is that a fair comment? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Awesome. And I also, I just think that one of the things I've really learned is that, um, you know, especially as we get older and, you know, now I'm raising children and I'm like, oh, I want them to have a healthy mindset around money and around their dreams and around the visions that they have for their life. Um, I don't want other people defining that for them. I want them to really feel the freedom to figure that out for themselves. Um, but one of the things that I have really had to press into is having my own back and really understanding if people in my life disagree or if they don't understand, and if they're not willing to, to take time to understand, that's not mine to own. Like I, I am the, the only thing that I actually need is for myself to have my own back and for myself to love what I'm doing and love who I am. That's all I need. <laughs> it's like, I don't need the approval of other people. I don't need the permission of other people. Fortunately, I have an extremely supportive partner and I know not everybody has that. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful. 
Um, but I'm also, you know, we have run into a lot of pushback when people haven't understood how we're choosing to live our lives, how we're choosing to pursue financial freedom. And, um, but that's okay because all I, all I need is to have my own back. I love that. So let's, let me ask you, so how do you manage failure? Give me an example. Yes. Well, <laughs> um, during the first few years of uh, my husband transitioning into be becoming a full-time vocational pastor, um, I actually had a business, an entrepreneurial business that I had started with. Um, I'm, I'm with a network marketing company right now, but this was kind of my first go around with network marketing. And um, I, I remember seeing the potential and like, oh, I did not understand this vehicle at all. Now that I'm in it and now that I'm experiencing it, I'm seeing the potential, but I just couldn't grow it. <laughs> and I think that um, I had a lot of people that were speaking into my, into my life, like, we see you going so far with this. We see you doing this, that, and the other. And I just, I just couldn't. And looking back, there are a lot of factors that played into that. I wasn't, I wasn't like fully, I, I wasn't fully passionate about the company and their vision and the products that they were selling. Um, I, yeah, I do think that that is important. That is an important piece that has to be in place to really go all in to build a business. Um, but I also felt like, well, if this person can do it, surely I can. And I just never could. And so um, during that time, I think what my brain was telling me was, well, you're just not cut out for this or kind of buffering. Um, it's like, okay, I wasn't able to make this work uh, for whatever reason. And I just started buffering and thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to teaching English online, or I'm going to go back to this instead of just accepting it's okay that I failed. That doesn't mean that I don't have a future in this industry. That doesn't mean that I have some sort of missing skill set. And so, um, as I, I started with my second network marketing company, I really had to coach myself through, no, you do have what it takes. You do, you are no different than anybody else who has made it in this industry. It's just a matter of grit and consistency and time. And, um, and really working hard to rewrite the belief system that your brain has told you for all these years. So um, let me ask I, you this, Jody, because you believe in the company you're with now, do, would you be able to go back to the other company? And now that you've changed your mindset, would you be able to go back to that other company and be as successful? I think so. I think knowing what I know now and knowing the mental work that it takes to pursue success. I think if I really like, okay, if I put my mind to it, I absolutely could. Even if you, like you said, didn't believe in the company, didn't believe in the products, or was that the differentiation between your new company and your old company? Well, that was a big differentiation. I guess if I didn't have another option, <laughs> I could go back. I could go back. And that, yeah. Yeah. Make it work. Um, yeah, I, I do 